All right, all right, all right. If you'd make your way back to your seat, let me simply say as you are on your way back to your seat, Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen. Oh, much better. This is, if you're if you're new here at Lighthouses, maybe your first Sunday or checking it out or whatever, my name is Doug Swink. I'm one of the pastors on staff here and uh, excited to have all of you here with us this morning. Those of you who are joining us online as well as right here on campus, what an amazing morning. I love to say that this is the greatest day in the history of history. What we are celebrating today is epic. It puts everything else to shame. And so I am so excited to get to be able to preach on a morning like this to a full house. So I want to start off um, this morning by giving you kind of the, the, the big point, the central point. The, the, and, and you pretty much, after I say this point, if you want to, you can just get up and leave. Because it is, don't, please don't do that. But but this is, this is the main point. I'm going to give it to you ahead of time, and everything else is kind of backfill, okay? Everything else is kind of filling in the blanks to what this main point is, okay? Everything revolves around this, and here it is. You ready? This is the main point. God loves you. God loves you. You. That's the main point. That's what we need to know today. There is a God, one singular entity who is all knowing, who is all powerful, who is eternal. And we call that entity God. And God knows you. And what's more, God loves you. And for some of us, we look at that and it's like, I, I know, I know some of us are like, well, if God really knew me, I'm not sure he would love me, okay? We'll talk about that in a minute. So do you remember when you were a kid and you, you would look and you would say, you'd be with your friends and you would go, I can climb to the top of that tree. Or maybe you got some brand new tennis shoes. Remember? Remember when you get brand new tennis shoes and you're like seven years old? And they made you what? The fastest person, not in the block, but in the world. And so you would come out with your brand new tennis shoes and you'd kind of stand like this so that everybody would see them. And you would say, I will race anybody because I can beat anybody in the world. And it was right at that time that a two-word sentence would pop up. A two-word sentence that, that your friends would use to those audacious statements that you would make. Two words. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Prove you can climb to the top of that tree. Prove that you are the fastest person in our school. Prove it. And so we look at those two things. We look at God loves you and prove it. But how do we prove love? Hmm? How do we prove love? Why don't we come back to that in just a moment? Because I think that one of the bigger questions I, I kind of posed just a minute ago 
And that question is, why would God love me? How could God possibly love me? That's what a number of us in this room this morning, when I made the statement, God loves you, immediately in our brain, we're thinking, there's no way. There's no way. Because God knows the baggage that I have. There's too much in my past. There's too much in the way. How could God, how could God love me? And we feel rejected. We feel rejected by the world around us. And we, honestly, a lot of times, we feel rejected by ourselves. We feel rejected. There is a community or excuse me, a committee from the Opera del Duomo who was put into place to decorate the, uh, the outside of the dome of this incredible cathedral. And it was to be decorated with statues of biblical characters and uh, biblical people and mythical characters. And so in 1464, they commissioned a specific figure to be created. And they brought in a gigantic block of marble for this creation. And so the first artist to begin working on it quit just after beginning. The second artist quit pretty much before even starting the project because he said that the material that they were using for this sculpture wasn't just inadequate, it, it, it wouldn't work. It was horrible. It was pathetic, okay? Uh, it was filled. It was a block of marble that was filled with veins that, that made it fragile and unuseful for anything of value. And so this block of marble sat out in the elements for roughly a quarter of a century until a 26-year-old artist by the name of Michelangelo was commissioned to begin to try and finish this project that had been started on a fragile, brittle, inferior piece of stone. And you and I both know that Michelangelo finished it, but the interesting thing is that 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 it wasn't just fragile in the minds of the artists. I, I, looked, I was reading the story, and it said this in Britannica.com, modern scientific analyses of the marble have confirmed that it is indeed of mediocre quality. Mediocre quality. That was the best they could come up with for this fragile, brittle piece of work that two other artists quit on, wouldn't work on, because that material they were using could not be used. And yet you and I know that that 26-year-old Michelangelo created probably the greatest, most well-known sculpture ever created. That sculpture is David. That sculpture is David, and we see it right here, okay? And David was made from material that was rejected by other artists. Michelangelo used that material to create a priceless masterpiece. And I love, I love what was said about this. 
that Michelangelo's process of extracting David from a low-grade piece of stone was described by the artist and writer Giorgio Vasari as bringing the bringing back to life of one who was dead. That's how... That, and if you've ever seen it, Sean and I had the privilege of, of going and actually seeing this sculpture by Michelangelo David. And I walked into the room, and I literally, I started, I started crying. He looked so real. He looked so, the veins in his arms and, and the tendons in his hands. And, and I love what Vasario says, that it was the bringing back to life of one who was dead. That stone that was rejected by other artists was turned into a priceless sculpture by a master. Rejected, doubt-filled, feeling unworthy. I think that that's how many of us see ourselves when we, when we look to God. When we think about God wanting to have a relationship with us, we think of ourselves as, we, we look at it as there's no way. There's no way, but that's not how God sees you. I imagine that Michelangelo, when he looked at that piece of marble, he saw David. He didn't see the cracks. He didn't see the brittleness of the material. He saw the masterpiece. And we look at ourselves and we see broken down, beaten, distressed, humiliated, hurting people. That it would be impossible for God to love because I don't even love myself. And yet that's not how God sees you. Amen. In the same way that Michelangelo was the creator of David, God created you. In fact, David, the guy who that sculpture is made after, David wrote these words in the Psalms. David wrote, here we go, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Is David bragging about himself because he was a good-looking guy? Is David bragging about himself because he killed a giant? He is a warrior. Is he bragging about himself because all of the maidens were swooning over him? No. In this, David is bragging about God. He's not, David's not bragging about the creation. He's bragging about the creator. Amen. And David had a proper understanding of who he was in the presence of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Paul the apostle wrote, Paul said this, if we could please. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. He wrote again in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, he, being God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Do you see where this is going when it's talking about you and God? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's handiwork. You are, it's how God sees you in spite of how you see yourself. You are God's beloved 
creation. You are God's beloved child. God desperately wants to be with you. And he desperately wants you to be with him. And that, my friends, is what Easter is all about. Not just Jesus' resurrection, but your resurrection. That's what God wants. That's why Jesus came to earth, to rebuild the superhighway, to bring us back to God. Why? Because God loves you. That's why Jesus came to earth. To reveal the love that the Father has for you. Regardless of how you see yourself. Regardless of what other people say about you or to you. Regardless of how much money you have or don't have or what you drive or don't drive. Regardless of the people that you hang out with. Regardless of what school you went to or didn't go to. Regardless of the job that you have. God loves you. To which you might respond, prove it. Prove it. Prove that God loves me. I can. And I don't even have to use words. I just use a picture. That's God's proof right there. That God loves you so much. That he was willing to die for you. That he was willing to go to the cross for you. Now, if you've been at Lighthouse, I told this story years ago, but I love this story. My family and I were in Washington, D.C. on vacation, and we were traveling around. It was our last day in Washington, D.C., And so uh, I had wanted to go to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, where they make money, right? And I've been to D.C. a few times, but I wanted to go there because I wanted to see how they make the money, right? And maybe snag a couple hundies. But I wanted to go there. And so it's free. It's a free tour to go to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. But when we got there, it... Like, it's free, but you have to have tickets to get in. And by the time we got to where the tickets were, they were like doing five o'clock at night tours. And we were planning on leaving that day. And it's too late. And I was so disappointed. And I was like, well, I guess we can go see the Marine Corps Monument. Right? I mean, we can go, and I took this picture at the Marine Corps Monument. I was like, we can go see the Marine Corps Monument. So we took the metro uh, out to Arlington National Cemetery, and it's like about a 10-minute walk to get to the Marine Corps Monument. And as we were, we're probably like five minutes away, about a block away, we could see the monument, and these three buses come rolling up, three big luxury buses come rolling up. And I, I immediately was angry because that's how I am. And, I, and so, because here's what I was thinking. I was thinking it's probably a bunch of high school students who are going to ruin this sacred moment of being at the Marine Corps Monument. And they're going to be running around, joking around, and all that stuff. And I'm just, now I'm angry. Didn't get to go to the Bureau of Graving and Printing and see money being made. Now I have to have these students running around. And as we walked up there, 
It was three busloads of World War II veterans. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now that the greatest joy was not the Marine Corps monument. And we walked around and we talked to them, my three daughters and my wife and I, and we were interacting with these World War II veterans, right? And, and, and we talked to one of them who said he actually saw the raising of the flag on Mount Suribachi from his ship that was in the bay off of Iwo Jima. It's like, whoa, get out of here. Another gentleman that we talked to who's like literally wearing his uniform. It's like, I can't even get into my pants from high school, okay? He's wearing his uniform from World War II. It's like 70 years later. And he's telling us that he jumped in. The best I could tell was that he jumped in in Operation Market Garden, okay? And then I walked up to this gentleman who was sitting in a wheelchair and he's wearing a hat, and on the bill of the hat, it said D-Day. And I said, you, 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 were, uh, you were in Normandy? You, you stormed the beaches in Normandy or whatever? And he said, I was in the second wave on Omaha Beach. And for those of you who know anything about D-Day and anything about the invasion at Normandy, you know that Omaha Beach was a deathbed for American soldiers. How he got off the beach in the second wave is unfathomable. And it was an amazing time together. In fact, I, I've got one picture. If you guys can go to that picture, Tyler, for me. This is the picture that we took with a bunch of, with a bunch of those soldiers. That gentleman right there, you can barely see the white on his bill. He was the D-Day dude. He was the guy. And the coolest thing while we were walking around, my girls, we, we are so thankful for our, our military and those men and women who protect us and protect our rights around the world. And so my girls would walk around and they would say, thank you, thank you for your service. And they walked up to one of these World War II veterans and they said, thank you. And he looked at them and said, we did it for you. I started crying. I was so glad I was wearing sunglasses because I just started crying. We did it for you. Why would Jesus go to the cross? Why would Jesus, God in the flesh, come to earth? And why on earth would he go through a brutal, devastating, torturous, God-forsaken, literally, death? Why would he do that? Because he loves you. He did it for you. He did it for you and he did it for me. And remember what, uh, how Vasari described Michelangelo's process of creating David, how he, he, he said that? He said it was as the bringing back to life of one who was dead. The bringing back to life of one who was dead. That's me. I'm literally a dead man walking. You are dead men walking. Dead women walking. That's us. But Jesus died. This is the story of Easter. Jesus died so that you could live. 
Jesus went to the cross because God so loved the world. Insert your name there. For God so loved Roger. For God so loved Mike. For God so loved Brenda. For God so loved the world that he would do the most outlandish thing ever thought of. And that is to trade lives with you. He went to the cross so that you could live. And even though Easter is a bright and cheerful and happy day of celebration as we remember the joy of Jesus' resurrection, the actual true joy is not just today. The true joy of Easter is not just for today. In in fact, Colossians chapter 1 Verse 18 says, he, being Jesus, is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. The firstborn, but not the last. That is the best news of the day right there. Jesus was the first, but he's not the last. And that's because those of us who call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're coming down. We're coming through. We're coming up. We're moving on up. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus was showing us the way to life and to our own resurrection. In fact, John eleven twenty five 25 and 26 says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And for those of you who believe in me, you too will rise again. And I'm going to show you what it looks like in just a few weeks. I'm going to, uh, in a few months, maybe a year, I'll show you what this resurrection looks like. But if I rise again, you will rise again too. And that question is critical. Do you believe? Yeah. Do you believe? The joy of Easter is hope. I loved Owen's testimony. That man has literally gone through Job-like hell, being diagnosed again and again and again for different things in his life. But the one thing that he has not lost is hope. Why? Because of Jesus. He said that. Weren't you listening? He said that Jesus is the reason for his hope. In spite of all this, being given a death sentence by a doctor who said, you got like five months to live, he still has hope. He still shows hope because this world is not the end. Amen. We have Jesus. We have Jesus The joy of Easter is hope. Jesus' death and resurrection gives you and me hope. Not just for today, but for tomorrow, for next week, for next year, until we too rise again. And there's no more doubting our value. There's no more doubting our value. God has not only proved his love, but he has proved your value. Did you hear what I said? God has not only proved his love, but he has proved your value. If you were not valuable, why would Jesus go to the cross? I'm pretty positive it wasn't for the ride. 
I'm pretty positive it wasn't just because it seemed like the cool thing to do at the time. He came on purpose for a purpose, and that purpose was you. Because God loves you. You are that valuable to him. The hope of Easter, the hope of life everlasting is ours when we surrender to God. Jesus said this in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one, say that word, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I know this isn't popular, but all roads do not lead to heaven. There's only one. And it was bought and paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because God loves you. And you are that valuable. Heaven is yours for the asking. It's yours for the living. All you have to do, all I have to do is surrender to God. Give up the things that separate me from him and you from him. In in Romans chapter 3, it says that all have sinned. That stuff that comes between us and God and keeps us from him, it's called sin. Sin is actually an archery term that means missing the mark. We're missing the mark of God. And that sin interferes with our relationship with God and keeps us from him. And Romans, in the Bible, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned. All of us have sinned. All of us, y'all know I've sinned. I've talked about it from this stage. Pastor Bruce's sin, and I know some of you are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, hold on a second now. That might be blasphemy. Nope, he'd admit it. He would tell you. He sinned. We all have sinned. And because of that sin, we fall short of God's glory. Later on, Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But, hallelujah, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We celebrate on Easter the resurrection of Jesus But in some way, we're celebrating our hope that we too, one day, will rise again. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. That's it. It is the, dele- the declaration that Jesus is Lord and the surrender of all that we are and all that we have because it was all given to us by God anyway. Every breath you draw in was given to you by God. Everything you have and everything you are is his anyway. And in order to have that resurrection life that we desperately desire, All we have to do is surrender and submit to him. 
and say, Jesus, you are Lord of all. Now, be Lord of my life. And when we do that, we move from dead man walking to a life that we could never understand or believe possible through Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as a prayer. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I just want to give you a moment to think and consider what you've just heard, that God loves you, that he desperately wants to be with you and you to be with him. And that God not only loves you, he values you. And because of that, Jesus went to the cross. So that if we would simply trust in him, we can reestablish that relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you've never done that before, if you're in that place and you're like, man, I never understood that, I never understood that, that God would forgive me of all of that garbage in my past, that he would make me new again, that he would come into my life because he values me and loves me, I want Jesus. If you've never done that before, then it's just a prayer. And I'm going to pray that prayer slowly so that you can follow along. And if you've never prayed that prayer, then I would encourage you to just simply pray it. And I'm going to ask us all to say this because nobody prays alone. So whether you're praying this for yourself or you're praying it to remember, pray this along with me. My Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me life through Jesus. Please forgive me for my past all of the things that I've said and done that have interrupted my relationship with you. Father, please cleanse my soul. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. And I accept you into my life right now. Be my Lord and Savior. And Holy Spirit, I surrender to your will. Lead me and guide me in the ways of Jesus. Some of you have prayed that prayer before, but Today you're thinking, man, I have. I've let things interrupt my relationship with God. I've, I've, I've walked away from Him. I, 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 I've 
gotten to a place where I look at myself and I don't like what I see. I'm not sure that I have the resurrection that you're talking about, Doug, but I want to be sure. And if you prayed that prayer before, just right now, I'm going to give you a few seconds just to pray once again. And for you to just tell God what's on your heart. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I walked away. I want to renew that connection with you. I want to recommit myself to live in your name, Jesus, in your power, Holy Spirit. Just pray, just pray, you and him, between you and him right now, you just pray that. Now here's the thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do something that's pretty bold but it's safe. I can tell you that. It's safe, okay? In this room, you're going to find a lot of people who love you. God loves you, and so do we. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. If you prayed one of those two prayers, I'm going to ask you to make a bold move and stand up. Just stand up where you are. And let us know that you made, you prayed that prayer. Glory to God. Praise God. Lord, I thank you for my friends who have stood up. In fact, all of us, let's all stand up. God, we give you glory and honor and praise and hallelujah to the fact that there are people who have turned their lives over to you today, who have reconnected with you today, God. I give you praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who stood and for those who, who maybe didn't stand but they prayed one of those prayers. God, I pray that you would fill them with peace and the knowledge that they are loved and valued. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, Holy Spirit, when the times come that, they, that they're tempted, when the times come when... when the evil one whispers in their ear that they're not valuable, that they're not worthy. They would be reminded of the cross because they are loved and valued. Holy Spirit, give them the strength to live their lives. And Lord, as we walk away from this place today, I pray that we wouldn't just say we've been to church, but I pray that we would be able to say we've been in the presence of God Almighty. I pray that we would be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt, regardless of how I responded, God does love me. 
Thank you, God. Real quick before I end the prayer. Everybody, you can look at me real quick. Um, If you prayed that prayer today, for those of you who stood up, for those of you who didn't stand up, if you prayed that prayer today, we have something we want to give to you, okay? It's, it's, you know, it's free. It's a gift from us. Um, One is simply a book called The New Believer's Hand Guide all right, or handbook. It's a fantastic, just a small book that walks you through the decision that you've made, whether you made it for the first time or you've remade it. It's a great book. The second book is actually the book of Mark. It's the Bible. It's the book of Mark, and it's a journal so that you can read and write what, what God is speaking to you as you read that, okay? It's a gift we want to give to you. Inside of that, there are two other things. We're simply asking for your information, name, email, and phone, just so that we can follow up. I promise you, we're not going to send you stuff. We're not going to inundate you with phone calls. We're not going to do that. We just want a one-time follow-up with you, okay? And if you don't want to do this, I don't care. Don't do it. I, I'm just happy that you're, a, that you're a brother or sister in Christ. The second thing is this. The second step of of the journey is called baptism. Baptism is a, it's the Super Bowl for us as Christians, okay? It's the time when we make a public profession of our faith that yes, not only have I decided on Jesus, but I'm following Jesus. And we're actually going to do baptism next Sunday right here, okay? And so if you made a decision today to follow Jesus, or maybe you've made a decision before, but you've never been baptized, and you want to make that public profession of, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then next Sunday's that opportunity. There's a piece of paper that talks about that inside of these things. All you have to do is find me or find one of the staff members. They're wearing a lanyard that says staff around their neck. Find them. They're not going to hassle you. They're not going to ask you 100 questions. They're just going to give you the gift. And if you have any questions, you can ask them. Okay? This is our gift to you. Staff is in the back. You can find them. They're also holding brightly colored bags. You can come up here. I'll give you one. Okay? So that's for you. Lord, thank you. We glorify you. We praise you. Easter is the greatest day in the history of history, not just because of your resurrection, Jesus, but because of the hope that we have in the future that we too will rise again. Jesus, you were the firstborn from among the dead, not just the first, but you won't be the last. And we look forward to that time when we will worship you at your throne, Jesus. Thank you for this day. We praise you. God. We praise your name, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.